Hey folks, it's Adam Summer for the Heartland Pod. This episode, April 4th, 2022. I've got an opening statement for you on the circus, the church, and the potholes. Then Rachel Parker and Sean Diller are going to join me for talking politics, and we're going to take you all the way from Missouri to Kansas to Ben Shapiro to Mitt Romney's proposal to take away your Social Security. Lots to talk about, lots to do, so let's go. Welcome back to the Heartland Pod. My name is Adam Summer. I am your host. For new listeners, thank you for joining us. We're glad you're here. We hope you'll come back to join us. Remember, if you have not yet hit the subscribe button to get our shows automatically, please do that. And when you do that, scroll on down there, leave us a rating, leave us a review on the platform of your choice so other folks looking for the show will automatically know that this is the place to be. Maybe they're just looking for something new in politics. Maybe they'd like to hear about the Midwest from some folks who actually live and understand the Midwest. Wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that be a novel thing? Well, help them find us by giving us a rating, giving us a review on whatever platform you're on. Uh, You can also remember, follow us on the social media, Facebook and Instagram. We're on both of those. And catch us where we're most active on Twitter with at the Heartland Pod. Email us anytime, heartlandpod2020 at gmail.com with suggestions for the show, uh, whether it be just stuff you might want to hear about, maybe a segment that you think would be kind of fun, or if you've got somebody that we ought to interview, we'd love to have that. Uh, it's, it's a great resource for us. I've had some emails in the last few weeks. I just got another one this week about a potential interview that is going to be, I think, a good one. Uh, so keep those coming, and thank you to the folks who have done that. It, it really is awesome to get. Uh, you know, this is a, uh, it's truly a hobby for us. Um, it's a, it's a passionate hobby, but it's not something that we do full time. So having folks out there who can send us that stuff really helps us keep the show uh, moving forward and helps us find the folks that we can have on. That'll be interesting guests to have. All right, before I get to the open and then the talk in politics, just a reminder, if you feel like you want to support what we're doing here, you can, we have a Patreon page for the Heartland pod. Uh, We have at least two bonus episodes every month over there called The Last Call. And right now, in fact, the episode that's going to come out tomorrow uh, for regular pod listeners, it actually came out Friday night on our Patreon. So it's been over there uh, for members only ever since Friday evening. So five bucks a month can get you access to all of that and more. Uh, Just sent out some messages this past week to all of our Patreon folks about some exclusive merchandise that's coming to them and only them. Uh, it's not available for purchase. It's only available uh, if you're part of the Patreon group. Uh, we also do have, there's some details are going to be firming up here, hopefully in the next uh, couple of weeks, so that we can get invitations out uh, and save the dates and all that stuff. We've got a live event coming up, and if you're part of our Patreon group, that's going to change your ability to uh, when you can get, you know, kind of access and what kind of access you can get for the live event. So, there are actual benefits over there aside from just uh, helping us, you know, support the show with being able to pay for production and, you know, have more stuff basically uh, to do. Uh, you know, we, we, we want to have more graphics. We want to have, you know, be able to maybe have somebody that we can pay for some research to help us bolster the show. Um, you know, we're, we're trying to do something here that's a lot more than just make a podcast. Uh, we want to change the conversation. We say that all the time. We want to change the conversation. Um, And what does that look like? Well, it looks like getting folks to talk about politics in a more meaningful way, not just, you know, 
uh, I, <laughs> there was a Twitter conversation that happened this past uh, weekend that uh, sort of uh, you know highlighted that where it's like this person has this very clear opinion about one particular candidate and it doesn't matter what people throw at them. They just go, well, they, they, I don't like what they say about this one thing and so I'm just going to completely dismiss them. And it's getting folks to kind of just look at things in a more holistic, pragmatic way um, and try to make decisions about how to actually win races that's going to benefit folks instead of just, you know, sort of making yourself feel, you know, pat yourself on the back politics versus actually pragmatic politics. So it's a conversation that we want to have uh, with folks. And you're helping us do that by sharing the show, by supporting the show, by listening to the show. So thank you to everybody who is supporting us. Thank you to all of our supporters. We really do appreciate that. And a new Podgressive out there, Jenna Robertson, thank you very much for your support at the Podgressive level. So you can check that out, heartlandpod.com. Click the link for Patreon. You can get it right there. And now the opening statement. Missouri's political scene from the outside may seem simple enough. A state with shrinking and aging population shifting from a former bellwether to a Republican stronghold. That's the 30,000-foot view for the talking heads. And since we're in flyover country, there must be no need to look more closely at it. While working on this show and diving deeper and deeper into Missouri than I ever had prior, I've seen that there are two parties and that while both talk about their representation of the people of Missouri, both seem wrapped up in a politics that often ignores reality. Don't get me wrong, there are some genuine folks from both parties trying their best to do the work we need from our elected officials. I don't doubt for a moment the efforts of people like Maggie Nuremberg, Crystal Quaid. While we have plenty to disagree on, Caleb Browden is clearly trying to do the work. So is Doug Ritchie. There are more folks for the list, but my point is simply that there are individuals who can be reasonable and who can be pragmatic, who can work to solve the problems we face and provide the services of a functioning government. But when we blow it up, we have one party who seems to allow their universe to rotate around the circus of St. Louis and another who appears intent on turning our entire state into a church. Meanwhile, I just like to drive my kids to school without having to weave around potholes so big that hitting one means a flat tire and a realignment job. A friend recently hit me with a Dickens reference. They keep giving us crumbs and we keep asking Master for more. Last week, the legislature left $2 billion on the table. $2 billion that would cost Missourians nothing to use. Nothing. It's money we already have. $2 billion that could have been used to raise teacher pay and help our state compete with our neighbors rather than have our newly trained teachers leave the state taking their income, taxes, and revenue creation with them. Hell, they could have shredded the money and mixed it with some hot patch asphalt to plug some potholes. Instead, the GOP members took a slice of the pie and they threw it on the damn ground. The Democrats don't have the power to stop that from happening, so they have to watch and hope there's still pie left. And for what? What's the end game? What's the purpose? From all angles, it appears to be nothing more than spite. One side getting to spit at the feet of the other side. If we can't eat the pie, then no one can. Leaving the open question, who's on the side of the voters? Who's on your side? Who's got our backs going forward? The worst part is that Missouri isn't unique to this. Missouri is a microcosm. The states are laboratories of democracy, and the science experiment in Missouri is being replicated at the national level right 
now. In Missouri, our political news is replete with stories about abusers and predators from both parties, sadly. Meanwhile, the loudest stories out of D.C. the last few weeks are a Supreme Court justice's spouse joining forces with conspiracy theorists, while a freshman congressman talks about cocaine sex parties, and the one of those that upset the political leadership is the cocaine sex party disclosures. Of the things that could happen in D.C. and cause me pause for concern, the spouse of one of the nine most powerful people in our country directly texting with the chief of staff of the president to assist in furthering conspiracy theories that would culminate in her spouse, a justice making rulings, should be the important loud story. But instead, we're left to wonder which of the D.C. elites have been doing lines off each other's naked bodies. It's a question to ponder during your drive to work as you listen to this. Just be sure to watch out for that pothole. It's a doozy. Talking politics. All right. We are here for talking politics. Adam Summer, Sean Diller, Rachel Parker. We've got uh, a fun slate here. Uh, we'll get into that in just a minute. Uh, had a heck of a week here in the summer household uh, trying to sort through which DC cocaine sex party we wanted to attend. Um, <laughs> right. the invite list pretty deep because mine was like you know i'm getting a little bit older so they're like mm, i don't know that we really well, i've been working out so i'm okay. getting into some <laughs> <laughs> well the cocaine's gonna help obviously with the weight loss like right. big time exactly. so yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah Ugh, wild no we did have a crazy week though our uh middle child uh clara in the with the rat syndrome uh she's been having some uh we think seizures we thought seizures we need to get some tests run some ekg tests uh, so my wife and uh, her went to St. Louis. They went to Children's, where the RET clinic is run out of, and uh, they spent three days there getting a, a constant EKG run so that they could get a bunch of data on her brain and figured out what she was going through. So we've got some new medication for her. So all good things, just kind of a crazy, crazy, crazy week to uh, stack on top of the already crazy week that happened in uh, politics. <laughs> you put it all together. Um, but lot, lots of good news coming out of that. And so this uh, recording this morning, this back to a Sunday morning recording. So I have one of our limited run, almost nobody has this Heartland Pod mug. Um, and inside of this Heartland Pod mug is uh, a mimosa. Nice. Uh, and it's delicious. <laughs> I like that you were just like, I had a hard week and I'm drinking <laughs> At yeah. eight o'clock, I'm, I'm drinking a uh, like a brunch beverage without food. I, don't I already ate my food. I had yeah, I had okay. my food. Uh, we okay. had our first birthday party for the the littlest one yesterday. We had <gasps> Jane. a brunch. Oh my Jane god, you, that's what your birth. You it's like you just have like birthday shotgun. You're just like there's yeah. like a birthday. We go from eight, March fifteenth to April twenty second. Our entire family of five. <laughs> oh, that's wow. gonna be so easy for like so future fun. vacations and stuff you're like we're getting the whole family disneyland just right, we'll everybody just do stop spring it break. like yeah 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 just take a vacation totally spring break, that's so. awesome yep i lead it off and my son caps it and the all three of the gals are in the middle there the warby gals are in the middle and uh <laughs> that's, that's how we handle it so rachel how was your week it was uh so this is this is fun um since i'm i've i've been uh i've been one of the crankier and in pain members of the heartland pod family for a while <laughs> Um, uh, I was walking in, uh, Tower Grove Park and this was two days ago. And all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, wait, I feel really good. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> it was like a beautiful day. 
um, you know, everything's coming into bloom and this is like the, you know, we're, we're heading into like that May, April through June era phase of Tower Grove Park where it's just beautiful all the time. Right. Like every, there's something always in yeah. bloom and it's just gorgeous. And they've, they're restoring these old stream systems that were a part of the park's original construction. So that's going to, that's like watching that come along. I've been like a little kid. I've been like, Oh, they got the diggers going. And like, <laughs> like I love civic <laughs> projects. Like I'm super into them. Um, anyway, so I was walking and I was like, what's this feeling I have? And I was like, Oh, joy and contentment. <laughs> like it's been that long because my Elliot, you know, got his um, double, uh, he got his, uh, immune, he got his, uh, antibody infusion. So, right. you know, and so that, so yesterday, so after I had my like day of like, I feel good, you guys. Um, my sister came over yesterday. She was like, she's kind of newly single and ready to mingle. She's been going through her own rough stuff. She's, she's divorcing her husband. And so Fun. she came by the house and had dinner, like, which is the most normal Just thing. Like that's a super this, normal thing. Yeah. And like, I have a house that's set up so that people can sit as you too undoubtedly will at some point can sit near where I'm cooking and stuff, you know, the kind of open plan kitchen situation. Yeah. Oh and, hell yeah. I'm there. Yeah. 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 Like having drinks <laughs> at the counter and like talking amongst themselves. And then before you know it, like dinner's done. Cause you didn't notice me Love cooking. It. Cause we've been chatting the whole time. So I made this lovely, um, uh, Israeli couscous dish and some white bean salad. And I plopped it in front of everybody. And my sister always, cause she hates to cook. So she looks at me like she always does. Like I'm some kind of strange wizard. Like, how did you do that? I was like, you've, Okay. That's how long it's been. So it was just lovely and wonderful. And I'm so grateful that, um, I just love living in St. Louis too. I, that was the other thing that it kind of hit me late in week that I spend so much time. We spend a lot as you hear, you hear all the vexing, right? You hear all the criticism, you hear all the beef, you hear all the frustration, but I don't, I don't feel like on this channel anyway, I do on Twitter, but like I'm on this channel, I don't express my true gratitude and love for what a remarkably beautiful and wonderful place to live. St. Louis truly is. So yeah, that was my week. How's that? Just some like optimism and love for everybody. That's great. Yeah, that and is I'm great. Sip- and in honor of Sean, I'm sipping on cafe Bustillo that I made in an espresso pot this morning. Beautiful. Sean awesome. Dealer. How about you, man? How's the week? What you, what you got rolling? It's uh things are good. Things are good. We did two scooter rides yesterday Ooh. here in uh, the Denver neighborhood. And that's such my, a Denver uh, downtown thing to say. Yeah, we're like out by the airport. <laughs> yeah, I was like, but, uh, yeah, he's not downtown, but yeah. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah, you're yeah, you're way out there. Yeah. No, and it's cool. You you talk about like loving St. Louis and uh the um you know, that's what I always think of about St. Louis. Like people love that city. And you know, from working there and like growing up in the country outside of St. Louis, like people 60 miles away are like, man, and it's so great being from St. Louis, <laughs> you know, yeah. and like Denver just, is not yeah. like that. <laughs> it's just, well, Denver is like full of transplants and stuff, but like say, like there's something about how, uh, it's just really beautiful. Like you drive. Yeah. There's lots of problems. It's, there's a lot of things about it that are just absolutely fucked. And we talk about it a lot and we hold people to account and stuff, but like, yeah, you look around and you're like, there's just, it's lush and vibe and verdant and like the buildings are gorgeous and the people are friendly and the food is amazing. Like, it's just a fucking great place to live. Like, I don't think it's, I'm not going to like be like, it's the best city in the world. Like, no, 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 no. Like we still have Paris, London and Tokyo and stuff. Like, let's not get crazy, but like, it's a fucking awesome place. And like, yeah, doubling down on the pride, but how is this? So I have questions about the scooter ride before we jump in. So sure. was there a three wheeler scooter moment with the, with the increasingly not at all toddler toddler? Yeah. Yeah. So she rides this little, like a lot of three-year-olds can 
do pretty damn good on a scooter. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's got like two wheels on the front, one in the back with a brake. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she can get moving and steer pretty well. But she's on this kick right now. She wants me to like run with her and like hold her hand on the handlebar and like go as fast <laughs> as we can. And I'm like, Callie, you know, you can go fast without me. Like, you know, why, why do you want me to hold, hold your hand? And she's like, because I love you, daddy. Let's just do this forever. There's nothing yeah. you can do. Yeah. Right. So I will run until I vomit until I have my hands on my knees yeah. and I can't catch my breath. Cause that's the loveliest thing. My right. favorite thing. Speaking of Tower Grove park, I, love my favorite thing is watching it's usually a dad moment usually it's not always but it's often a dad moment where <clears throat> there's a dad and a child in a little helmet on a little the little three-wheeler school you just described like zooming down there's like you know enough inclines in that park <laughs> that you can kind of get a little bit of speed on a little scooter like that and the kid going daddy and the dad just being <laughs> with like a beer like you're gonna be fine right <laughs> just roll <laughs> look straight ahead just roll go left right. and roll yeah do yeah. not look back. Right. Yeah. I always tell her, if you look at the ground, you'll be on the ground. Look where, look where Ooh, that's good. Go. That's good. I don't know if it's sunk in yet. Sounds like I a pass down guys generation were, I to wish, generation. I love my dad, but I come sometimes I'm like, can they can you guys be my dad? Just for the day. <laughs> Just to know what it's like to have been nurtured and felt safe. We, we, had a, we had a three generation catch yesterday. It was, it was pretty nice. Cool. Oh, I love it. Let's jump in here. All right, a little less heartwarming, but nonetheless are true or false. The entry of Trudy Bush Valentine into the Missouri Senate primary on the Democratic side, true or false, that it actually provides a useful contrast that will boost Kuntz's populist messaging. This came kind of bubbled up this week uh, into our conversation and seemed like a good way to kick off this topic. Um Rachel and I, for folks who haven't listened, we dropped one on Thursday where we kind of reacted to the holy shit of the incredible changes. The week um, that was. Yeah. The and week so that was. Now we've had a chance to sort of digest, look at things, you know, read some stories, get some background and have a more, uh, I I hesitate to say sober, but sober conversation uh, about this particular thing. So uh, Rachel, why don't you, you kick us off here with this, uh, with this true false. You want me to kick this off? Um mm-hmm. I'll say one thing that's true about I'm calling her TBV, by the way, because Trudy Bush Valentine is just too much to say. Yeah. I'm calling TBV. her TBV. <laughs> I think she should grab it, by the way. I think someone, if, if anybody from the campaign listens to our podcast, grab the TBV thing. It's kind of good. It's not bad. TBV. Um, I, I will say this for her. She fucking lives here. Yeah. She's from here. Yeah. She's always lived here and she's always been from here. Yeah. Um, I'll also say, and and our uh, Patreon subscribers have already had an opportunity to listen to the conversation I had. It was really more of a conversation between myself and Sarah Sirota from The Intercept, yeah. who wrote a really great and absolutely thoroughly researched piece about uh, TBV's relationship with the Veiled, the troubled, awful, shitty, racist, um, white supremacist organization, the Veiled Prophets, and how she was a debutante in their ball and the queen of the ball in the 70s and how she didn't kind of stop... Uh, herself from being way before Ellie Kemper, by the way, (laughs) yeah, way before. And like, and like kept adulting with the organization, like well into her, like long acid, like well into her adulthood. And the, I found the apology that she gave the TBV's team gave to the intercept to be contrite. Re BPB. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Say that again. (laughs) Re what? 
VPB. Yes. Ooh, Sean. Yes. That's too early. This cut that level of cleverness is way too early for it's too early for me for that. And he's um, an hour behind us, so that's even bonus. Yeah, points. I know. That's a that's that's ladies and gentlemen, that is the quick wit of Sean Diller uh on full display. Um so I found that to be uh refreshing that they actually spoke to the intercept, they issued the apology. Like I we were all kind of surprised that it I I was very surprised that it happened, frankly. I think uh Sarah was too. Anyway, and that full chat will come out tomorrow uh, with Sarah Sirota. Yeah, so yeah, so we'll we'll release it. We'll release the full chat for everybody else this week. Um, and I think a lot of people are going to enjoy listening to it because she talks a lot about the the piece that she wrote. And I told her that she can ride with STL now because she has like she's like, and it did this, and and this happened, and they did this, and I was like, you're all set, you're good, you can be STL, you're honorary STL. Um, do I think it's going to provide? So I'll I'll say I'll say this. I'll say false. Um, I don't think that I think right now at this point, I think Lucas Kuntz is his own worst enemy. Yeah. Um, he keeps saying things that just sound juvenile. Um, well, he shifted I, his language like pretty quickly uh, around the same time. He had already started doing this, like the elites, the elites, the elites. And like the same day that she announces they've got this burglary and he, and they spin the whole thing as like claiming basically. That, that is all right. The, the oh yeah. Can I, can I hear about the burglary? May I, may yeah. I rant please for just yeah. a second? Cause I rant also Here, in the, let me uh, give Sean the background since he hasn't heard when. about it. And then your rant will make sense, more sense for, for everybody who hasn't heard. If you haven't. Right. You've been, so, okay. So yeah. there, this is, this is terrible. So in the same office building where Lucas Koontz has his, um, his, his campaign HQ, which I'm, I'm convinced he's, rarely in uh there were two other offices that were burgled at the same time so my assumption is people are going through rough shit uh missouri is going through um a pretty serious fentanyl epidemic so on and so forth people need money they know there's campaign offices there they know there's going to be some petty cash and some computers and stuff that they can easily jack and sell right so three campaign offices were hit at the same time i think it's three um, I do. I, I, I forgive me. I don't know the names of the other two candidates, but they're more local. I think candidates for either state office or even like hyper local office in those in that and in, in like Jeff City or something. I can't remember. Um, feel free to correct me. Twitter. Like one's independence. Yeah. So Lucas Coons took that as an opportunity, like an idiot. It's, it's one of the dumbest things I've seen somebody do in a campaign in a long time. Posted a photo, just a random photo of like what the office looked like after the break in and claimed on Twitter that this happened because the political elites were getting afraid of his like and in in a formal email, a campaign email. So here's what it was like a political hit. Yes. 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 What? Yes. 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 Grown man. Elites who don't want him around. Ass man said that shit. So. There are people, I think he's kind of, le- so I, this is kind of funny. So I sort of got into it with Ryan Grimm of The Intercept last week when, when TBV announced her candidacy, Ryan Grimm, who I respect and like and admire and don't get me wrong. I wasn't trying to like drag him or anything. This is not what this is about. He said he shared her campaign announcement and said, what a perfect foil for Coons. And I was like, you need to quit. Before you say anything else, bro, you don't know anything about Missouri politics. You have no right to make an assessment like that. And by the way, you're wrong. Like nobody in the Missouri establishment is afraid of this dude. Maybe the only thing they're afraid of is that he will make a fool of himself and he will lose desperately. And that there are some other troubling things about his reputation that we're not going to talk about that have also kind of keep getting sort of, it keeps percolating up. I'm not until somebody contacts us and asks us to investigate further. I'm not going to say anything else. 
but that is the dumbest thing I've seen anyone do, bro. Nobody broke into your fucking campaign office. Sorry, I'm swearing a lot this morning. I apologize to Sean's dad. Um, that, uh, that no one broke into your office to like ruin it. You're not that scary of a human being. Um, so do I think that she will give him something to contrast himself against? I don't think so. I I just think everything about him is messy and annoying and I'm over it. And I just pick whatever you want to be. If you want to be a Missouri candidate, bro, move back to Missouri and spend every waking hour of your life in Missouri, unless you have to like fly away to do a fundraiser, which they all do. And I don't judge like you have to raise money out of state, like no judgment, go get that money but then come back here and meet people and canvas and door yeah. knock and do the fucking work. Stop acting like a moron on Twitter. That's what I think now. That's what I have to say. Is that, I don't even know what that is. So what is that? False. I guess, false. Yeah. I guess, okay. Yeah. All right. Great. Great. False. Yeah. I mean, it's it, the, the burglary thing was insane. Um, and then you, you, we can look at it. So Sean, I'll kick it to you. So we ran another poll. We, we, we dropped the poll Monday thinking, Okay, well, that should do it, right? We'll go ahead and, and start start looking at how people think about this race. Uh, whoops. Um, and so our Monday poll, Koontz actually wound up winning that uh, particular poll. And then our the one that I dropped on Friday, uh, which I can only put four options in it. So for folks who are like, you know, oh, it doesn't have this person, it doesn't have this person. Yeah, I know it doesn't. You can only put four people in these Twitter polls. Uh, also there's apparently another Senate candidate who's I'd never even heard of. Um, but whatever. So this one had Dr. Gina Ross, Lucas Kuhn, Spencer Toter and, and TBV. Um, that does work. I, I, I like totally that. works, right? It's so much um, easier. TBV. <laughs> she's got to grab it, grab it, put it on the campaign merch. Now team TBV. It's good. So, <laughs> grab it, do it. Hashtag TBV for right. Um, <laughs> so at eight 30 or this is Sunday morning at eight 32 central time. There's still six hours left. There's 286 responses to this uh, poll. Now, it's a Twitter poll, so whatever. But 286, that's a pretty good number of responses. Uh, and Dr. Gina Ross has 3.1%. Lucas Coons has 18.9%. Spencer Toter has 50.7%. And TBV, Trudy Bush-Valentine, has 27.3%. Uh, the one that we put out on Monday with Sifton's name in it, uh, Coons won, and Toter came in a pretty close second. Now Koontz is third. I think that's pretty interesting uh, to me. Obviously, you know, it speaks maybe more to what kind of folks are active on Twitter and, you know, what type of voter maybe follows us. But, it, you know, it's been retweeted 21 times, so it's reaching. It's got to be reaching some folks. Uh, so I just found that to be an interesting sort of. You know, super interesting. Yeah, it's 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 an informal yeah. measuring stick. It's our informal, no money behind. When I'll it, use that reading right. as my segue. Um, so I'll say false too. I don't think it gives him a useful opportunity to develop his message. And it's so funny, Rachel. Like the words you were using are exactly what I was thinking about yesterday. Like one annoying. The developments in this race have been annoying, <laughs> and he yeah. also seems to be annoying. Um, and then juvenile, like the stuff that he says, I hadn't even heard about the burglary, but at first, you know, I, I don't really spend a lot of time in, on Twitter at all. And I jumped on to see, you know, kind of how his messaging had shifted, like you kind mm -hmm. of suggested, Adam, like since the TBV entry. Yeah. Uh, and 
the first thing I saw was something that I really liked. Like I didn't particularly like, I don't like it when people talk about being a populist and then all of their issues will never touch people's actual lives. Like like members of Congress can own stocks. It's like, sure. 90% of people think that that's what we should do. And yet it will have no effect on people's actual lives. Like that's not a policy that's even about regular people. It's about members of Congress. And so like that stuff annoys me. Um, The, his post about workers have a fundamental right to organize. And this is great. This Amazon labor union victory. Yeah. I really like that. And then when I scroll down a little bit, he had another, you know, nice and concise thing like marijuana still gets you sent to jail. And I was like, right on, that's cool. And then as I looked at it more, I was like, wait a minute, this is all like fluff. Like when he said about it is, yeah. this is a guy who went to law school. So he said about, the labor union workers have a fundamental right to organize. And it's like a fundamental right is a thing and like a term of art. It's, you know, the right to direct how you raise your kids is a fundamental right. Right. Um, Constitutional rights are fundamental. Right. Right. And like the right to organize is a statutory right. And I wouldn't correct anyone unless they were running for federal legislative office, (laughs) because (laughs) where are you at? The legal terms of art matter. And right. Like, what do we need to do about, labor and i'm really glad that you brought that up sean not to not to jump on you but like not to jump on your 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 train of thought but there is a starbucks in ladue missouri Mm -hmm. which is one of the most affluent one of the most affluent suburbs in the country still i think and like think about like it is it when i was a child it was the one of the most like if not the most of the top three most affluent suburbs in the country um there is a starbucks that is striking to you that is organizing there they are unionizing they're doing the work. There's doing. Was he there? No. Did he show his ass up to like st- like what the like what kind of? If you're really this guy who wants to be this like third rail flank candidate, whatever. I'm super scared. Like yeah, bro. If you start marching with people in picket lines, like actual like picket lines, you might get the attention of the establishment, and they might start to go, wait, what's he doing? But he's yeah. never. He didn't do that. Like. Well, let me keep going. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. So then Sorry. On Mar- no, thank you. That was super. Thank you for backing me up. That's awesome. Because I don't know this kind of on the ground Missouri stuff. And I hesitate to really just like, you know, shiv him in the side 10 times in a row like like you will. And so that's really great. <laughs> <laughs> um, marijuana still gets you sent to jail. And it's like, does it though? Not him. You know, like he could be yeah. smoking weed at Starbucks and he won't get sent to jail. And like yeah i mean I, you know, I literally am a prosecutor in many 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 cities and i gotta tell you uh marijuana really doesn't get you sent to jail anymore in missouri I mean, it just doesn't even. really and, and, and it most is a of the problem cities it's been decriminalized for that exact reason kansas city columbia st louis and it's decriminalized well and again right it's like i want to pull it, on the thread of the actual issue of like drug policy reform like what about expungements what about you know where are you at on releasing people who are currently incarcerated you know it's true that we need to stop incarcerating people but like there's all kinds of more relevant issues he, happening in cannabis now did he say yeah. anything about the house actually passing a, a bill that would do all the things that you just like did he back up that and say if i was in the senate i would definitely i don't know he's very no. yeah you're right he's very twittery right. and it's very like i mean that's that's like that's like kind of an exciting like we're not going to talk about it on the show but that's kind of a belt like kind of a bellwether moment well and then house of yeah, yeah and then another one like, sorry go ahead so well, then, so go ahead no i'm done go ahead people know what one, i mean they get it we want to our mission this is another tweet our mission is to fundamentally change 
who has power in this country? And like, that's the kind of stuff I'm like, you mean you? Yeah. <laughs> but also like, it's like, that's you are a white dude who went to language. Yale. Right. So it's like, what are you, who? Like, what are you talking about? And well, he gets I've a lot said of many money. Times, he gets a lo- oh, go ahead. I've, go I've, ahead I've, I've, I've pointed out several times, right? He's the king of the platitude. That's like, he's right. really good. They're, they're, his team is very good at writing platitudes, but platitudes aren't policies. They're just not. And he doesn't right. live here. I Look, all the things that we're saying, if he lived here, if he were embedded in Missouri politics, if I thought that he was a real stakeholder in Missouri, anywhere, I don't care where you live, like anywhere in Missouri, if you like live here and you're up to your neck in giving a shit about things that happen here on the ground to the, to right. the people that live here, if you ever had held a job here, if you'd ever registered to vote here, if you'd ever voted in an election here as an adult, all these things, right? And, you know, there may be some valid reasons why he can't move to Missouri. I, like Sarah Sirota and I, like kind of in a sidebar chat, pointed out, she pointed out that he's still in the National Guard, so maybe he still has to be where he is. And I was like, well, then don't run for Senate. Wait until that's over. There so, is going to be another yeah. 20, there's going to be another Senate race. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they'd transfer like, him pretty easily. If right. To. So let me do my TBV part. Yeah. So, you know, yes, great reporting in the, uh, is it the Intercept the one? Yeah. And then the other one's the Atlantic. And oh my gosh, like, you know, I do want to just put out there, like as someone who I did grow up in Missouri and like, you know, especially the elite class in St. Louis and in Missouri, like has been, you know, <laughs> like whites only basically. Um, and definitely right in the reconstruction period, when this organization started like this veiled prophet, it's all very clan like, and it would have yeah. been the same people who would have been in the clan yeah. at that time, terrorizing any sort of minority or northerner or, you know, progressive or, you know, so I think that, you know, that's really stunning to me. And like, I would never, you know, do anything to help her probably win a primary or a general election, honestly, um, personally, but she looks, if people don't get hung up on that, and then like the Fox News article about her, if these profiles just completely leave it out, um, her messaging looks great. You know, she talks in a way that I think people will really resonate with um, and really connect with. And they do know, you know, they know her family name. Like, I think she probably immediately split the you know the the wine mob the, vote right the mainline democratic primary voter in missouri right. like Amen, you know it's sure. an earthquake in that i think um and and it's going to make it really hard for lucas coons to just take shots at establishment democrats or kind of like the elites because people right. are going to think that it's like oh well you, you're just afraid of tbv right and he'll be like well no i'm not i mean someone else and like well who well, and it's pretty galling to hear somebody who comes from a, the 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 world that creates establishment politicians, um, like right, the he's world. Part and that's of, when fine. he says the establishment, that's, and he that's works fine. In the establishment. I don't give a shit. That's fine. I'm not one of those people. Like, yeah, am I skeptical of it sometimes? Of course I am. But like, you come. Let's be clear. This he comes from the same group of people that trained one Josh Howley to be in the United States Senate. Well, even so, not even personally, he's a white dude who went to. Yale and then Mizzou Law School. And like the only reason someone who went to Yale undergrad would go to Mizzou Law School is he wanted to run for Senate when he was like. Right. Because he wanted to be in Missouri. That's exactly right. That's That's when I talked to to students about where they want to go to law school. 
And I say like, well, do you think you want to have a political career in Missouri? And they say, well, you know, if they answer even kind of, I'm like, well, then you should probably try to go to Mizzou because like, just look at the list of political folks in in Missouri, look at the list of governors and attorney generals and senators. And like, I don't know, like eight out of 10, basically (laughs) went to Mizzou Law School. And I just want to reiterate, I don't care. That's fine. Stop pretending that you're not that though, man. Just own it. Just be like, look, I'm this guy who spent years in D.C. I know how the sausage gets made. The corruption really bothers me. It bothers me so much that I moved back to Missouri. I spent a couple of years here learning about kind of what stakeholders have been struggling with for the last couple of years. And I'm going to beat the shit out of Josh Howley in 2024. Like that, I would be a cannon. Yeah, sorry. Finally won statewide office, United States Senate in the state of Georgia. And he's a Jewish documentarian. And- He, and a wonk, a total policy nerd. Right. And he right. won in Georgia. You know, you just got to do it. I, do I do work like and that, live that spin on like just, just coming and saying, I've been behind the closed doors. I've been in the rooms that they don't want you to know about what's going on. And I know how to do it on that side of things. I've got that experience. And it's because of my experience. It's because of my establishment experience. That's what makes me such a valuable candidate. Instead of instead of pretending like you're something that you're not, which is just... Well, Especially well, in a state like Missouri, where it's just like, we're so skeptical of anything anyway. Like, <laughs> we're right. skeptical of everything. Right. Like, on the Twitter poll, uh, where, you know, where Spencer wins with 50 plus percent on this poll right now, if you look at the thread and you pull some of the stuff out, like when people are talking about the different candidates, right? Like, if you have even one thing kind of out of place, right? Folks in Missouri are just like, well, he didn't have this perfect exact line, and I don't like this one line. So I don't know about that. We'll but that's see. Politics, like you, especially because <laughs> he's so active on social media, and like right. I had, like I know exactly, like I I stopped subscribing to his like fundraising emails because it was the same thing all the time, and I oh, just so started funny. to get kind of annoyed. But like, I think the other thing that really kind of would would worry me about the way that he's been messaging lately, especially post um, Russia Ukraine invasion is that the issues, Sean, you're exactly right. The issues that he's talking about sound like they should come out of the mouth of a pundit or a, a policy analyst yeah. or a, anything with the word analyst behind it. Um, Which is what he is. Right. And like none of that, <laughs> when I say that none of that is going to resonate with Missouri voters, yeah. none of it is going to resonate with Missouri voters. Most Missouri voters tend to want exactly what Sean said. They want kind of a comforting figure, whether it's like Josh Howley, who looks like the little son they want to take care of, or somebody like TBV or Claire McCaskill or Vicki Hartzler, like someone they can imagine seeing at church. That's it. I'm yeah. sorry. You're totally like, right. And I know we've talked about this a ton, but I had something that I did grab from his Twitter, exactly what you're talking about. He has one of these quotes. It's like, oil prices have dropped from $130 a barrel to $97 a barrel in the last week. Prices at the pump have gone up 20% at this same period. Give me one good reason why uh, big oil get subsidies from government. And I'm like, what is this a quiz? (laughs) Stop. (laughs) He could right now, and we'll, we'll, we'll move on here, but I would love to see, and this would be like such an easy thing to do. Now you'd have to come to Missouri to do it. So that's the tricky part, but all you got to do, right. You want to draw the contrast, go have meet, meet and greets with real Missouri folks at urban chestnut and four hands and Schlafly and Mothers right. and just pretend you're Roy every Blunt other for a year 
that isn't owned by InBev. <laughs> yeah, do it cool. ironically if it feels better. But yeah, that's go to just, every yeah. brewery in Missouri <laughs> that isn't owned by InBev and isn't part of the Bush family legacy. Every single one of them, and have an event there and talk about Missouri at those events. Go to Mothers in Springfield where they have this awesome outdoor space and invite people over to hang out with you for the day and have some real Missouri beer, right? It's a real Missouri beer from a real I, Missouri guy. Here we go. Don't you guys, I'm starting to get the feeling that he thinks he's smarter than all of us. Well, yeah, obviously. And that he just doesn't want to be here. He's I running for Senate. He, he definitely here. thinks he's smarter than all of us. Yeah, and I don't think that he really wants to 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 be here. I mean, prove me wrong, dude. Please, yeah. please, please prove me wrong. Please move back here. Yeah, because this, back this here. could be an interesting race, but right now it's, you know, I don't know. Not. Maybe there's a lane for the the smaller candidates. Maybe not. Maybe it's TBV's race to lose at this point. We'll, we'll see, but let's, uh, let's move on. Yeah, no. Yeah. All right, the yeah, no. Um, and Sean, you <laughs> hit this one on the head. Um, we're, we're always looking for that story. So, folks, if you see one, uh, this is, uh, it's like uh, how the Supreme Court talks about pornography. I know it when I see it. Uh, so if you see one, just shoot it, shoot it at us. And the, the yeah, no, this week, Ben Shapiro, that's, that's it. That's the, yeah, no, um, he, uh, <laughs> Ben Shapiro, uh, talked about that the daily wire is going to be investing a hundred million dollars, a hundred million dollars. This Dr. Evil shit in counter programming, uh, because who needs Disney when you've got the daily wire? Um, yeah no you know right pick everybody do a quick minute and then i've got yeah, a fun, well, I've got a fun exercise i just could not believe this article and then i have i obviously could like <laughs> I so so cynical <laughs> everything about it it's like i couldn't believe it until suddenly i did right yeah that's like the ultimate like, it's, yeah, no, it's right all there. about a counter to disney yeah you can tell that these guys just live on twitter right mm-hmm. because it's like they're, they're thinking that they're just going to offer something better than Disney. You don't think anyone's thought of that? <laughs> like, um, but also, like, he says, they keep talking about how these woke corporations hate people. Americans right. are tired of giving their money to woke corporations who hate them. They're tired of giving their money. This is quotes from, like, the spokesperson defending it. They're tired of giving their money to woke media companies who want to indoctrinate their children <laughs> with mm-hmm. radical race and gender theory. And it's like, guys, companies do not hate you. <laughs> like companies, companies don't care. Companies right. don't have emotions. And I don't think most Americans think they like your money and they want you to trust them enough right. to give it to them. That's and it's the like end. as they're talking about this, like they're talking about how Disney hates Americans. And what is the actual like premise that he's like advancing? Basically, like, well, we'll give them a trough of bullshit and they'll suck it up like idiots because. Mm-hmm they think Disney hates them. <laughs> like they're not saying it's going to be good. They're just saying they're identifying a market opportunity that they think exists because of programming that is more inclusive <laughs> than we have had up to now. Rachel. What exactly is Disney doing that, that has been fuckface Shapiro. So kerfuffled like, so they're, today. they like, are actively fighting against the don't say gay law in florida oh yeah right because like finally chapik was like oh i I should probably be a ceo and yeah like the other guy because everybody loved bob Iger. yeah okay got it got it got it okay yep yeah so that's really what it is and then there's this daily cost piece which uh, is interesting talking about this pizza gating of disney 
Um, very, very interesting piece. I'm going to put it into the show notes here. And I'll, I'll say, I'll say this, this, I'm not, yeah, no, whatever. Fuck Ben Shapiro. I don't care. Um, sorry for the cursing, uh, Sean's dad. Um, uh, like I know people that worked at, at, at Disney cause I worked, um, I was on sort of a, not really quite a board, but like, we'll say like an executive leadership team with a friend of mine, uh, who worked at Disney for like 10 years and Disney does a lot of lobbying, um, for obvious reasons. And for a long time, Disney was like a, a real elephant in the room when it came to media. And they're kind of trying to figure out what this next phase of their sort of life is going to be now that everybody's going to streaming and all that. Um, they just switched CEOs and everybody was very upset with the, uh, new CEOs. His name is Bob Chapik, um, with his initial response to the don't say gay bill, which was like pretty milk toast and pretty bad. Now he's mm-hmm. kind of like Disney runs Florida. Let's just be honest. So Disney has a far better relationship with um, right-wing lobbyists than anybody really knows, right? Like, they know how to get shit done. And I'm wondering, like, if Ben Shapiro, like, if they're just trying to help out one Ron DeSantis because Disney has way more power in Florida than yeah. he does. It's or the so GOP, funny. It's so. like, I'm going to make an automaker to put those woke Honda liberals out of business for their stupid hybrid and electric right. cars what, what yeah what does your car offer no no mufflers right right freedom how about <laughs> yeah freedom. no no seat belts no mufflers no does, blinkers so, so no do brake these lights. people do these people these just go, go on a, what do these American people speed? these like these like Substack? i love that kara swisher calls them Substack hacks and there's really good writers on Substack. that's great to be clear but like ben shapiro is like the ultimate example of like a Substack hack do they just go from like Fox News, Twitter, their sub st- the the Substack newsletters from like your favorite white supremacists, and then they just write stuff, and then yeah. they and then they stream it on Rumble, and then they just start the whole thing all over. Again. Is that how it goes? Like, is that what happens I guess. now? I all guess. Right, whatever. I, yeah, I guess they're just going to take the storylines from whatever Tucker's doing that night. He's, he's now involved here. The in this Daily Kos article about Tucker of directly accusing is. Disney of grooming. And child abuse, like oh, God. yeah, basically anything now <laughs> okay. that involves anything other than like great mainstream Christian. As someone who works in politics, is grooming. I would love for them to focus on Disney. <laughs> like, yeah, right. That would be right? great. It's like, are you really going to try to take down the Marvel Cinematic Universe? It's like one of the most popular things. In yeah, just, and leave elections just, to the professionals would be great. You're going to you know? take just... Captain America? <laughs> what? Um, I'm trying to think of like what what monster movie it is. I want to say it was one of the recent ones. Like it might have been King Kong. I can't remember, but like the, the the big monster just takes another monster that it's fighting and grabs it by the jaws and just like yeah, that was the King Kong versus it. Godzilla. Yeah, yeah, he just like pulls it apart like you're dead. That's Disney. Yeah. Disney is King Kong. <laughs> Disney has been. Like, I mean, again, like they maybe they might they might have a little bit of a wobble moment, but they typically as a board know how to pick killer Katzenberg yeah. was the CEO of Disney. Like they know how to pick people that are experts at maintaining multiple entertainment channels in a way that is so badass they have to they have to parody it on succession. Yeah. That's how good they are. That's how massive they are. If there's any media company I would always bet on, like the farm, it will be Disney. They have pivoted through every major shift in media since before I was born. Disney when dropped, Disney like, Plus came out in like movies January of 2020 or December 2019, yeah. I was like, I wonder how many people will pay 25 bucks a month for this. Probably enough for them to make a bunch of money, but 
not everyone. And then COVID happened like immediately. It's like, oh, everyone, everyone's going to buy this. And it was only like five ninety nine. Yeah, they put it at a price point where they're like, we'll figure it out. We'll yeah. figure it. Don't worry. We'll wow, figure it out. I didn't even know that. We'll, oh, yeah. we'll totally, we'll totally, we'll totally figure it out. We will figure it out. We will make this work. And don't like, again, Ben Shapiro, if you don't think that Disney can dick stomp any trend in media and make billions of dollars, then go back to the eighties and watch what they did with the vault. Remember the vault? Do you have any rational yeah. idea how successful they were when they were just like, we're just going to let this one out for a little while. Oh, yeah. Not available oh. anymore. Millions of dollars. Yeah. They changed home entertainment they're the yeah. only studio that's like no we got it we're fine flounder and i lived in la when all this was happening so i can't wait to like whatever yeah uh, how is that for a yeah no like he yeah. doesn't know what he's talking about he doesn't understand me like before you criticize media you substack hack morons you should probably spend a little bit more time understanding how that shit actually fucking works boom so I want folks to tweet us uh, with theirs. Uh, I came up with one that I think they could produce. <clears throat> so it's, uh, it's a story. The title is called White Plight. And it's the story of a young boy who's embracing difference and tolerance, but spends the weekend with his uncle who teaches the young boy that his, he is white and therefore his way of life is under attack. It's a heartwarming story. Oh, man. You buy I was thinking whatever of, the fuck this company's going to I was thinking of a redone Huck Finn because you can't, Acknowledge that slavery was the policy in the United right. States under CRT statutes. So a new Huck Finn with instead of the slave that confirmed slavery was real, it's Dog the Bounty Hunter. Oh, there you go. And oh, good. Sure. There you yeah, go. He helps him That's on what the I was thinking about. I will, I will say, too. Yeah, I'll and hopefully still Elijah would. I wonder if he would reprise his role. As a uh, boy, Huck Finn. I do wonder. Let me let me dog the bounty hunter and Elijah Wood. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. <clears throat> this summer, the heartwarming <laughs> story of a boy, a river, a raft, and a dog. <laughs> I was gonna say a That's dream. Good. That's good. That's good. That's good. I will say there could be a reality that Ben Shapiro has discovered that like being an independent, whatever the hell he is, thing takes a lot of work and you you can have a bad year and not make a lot of money. Yeah. And the Christian production film world, the one that like Kirk Cameron comes from. Well, they, they just those, pump it out. Yeah. Yeah. And like so they make really low budget, like super cheap mm -hmm. media. They make and, a like, ton it, of money. It does make a lot of money. And like the, the passion of the Christ made a boatload of money. So if he's trying to see that like Christian Christian, that's why, uh, that's why, uh, what's his name on HBO says Bill Maher Christian money. That could be it. Um, like he could just be like trying to cash in, but all it, it's not going to work. You need so much money. You need, you need millions right. to make people have had that idea too, to bilk. Yeah. Right. You know, the passion of the Christ too. let he yeah, just ask, just ask Jerry fall the first, kick the first ass. <laughs> I'm not going to top that. I'm done. Jim, Jim Kavit, Jim Kavit, uh, the guy from the first one. That's a family guy. <laughs> That's an old family guy. <laughs> oh, Kavitzel, Jim Kavit, the guy from the first one. <laughs> and Chris Tucker. Oh God. Yeah. No. All right, buy or sell. Uh, we've got some Kansas candidates, uh, some Senate candidates, uh, I think a House candidate in there. Uh, they're signing term limit pledges uh, as part of their run for office. So buy or sell that that's something important. Uh, Mark Holland, a Democrat, former mayor of Unified Government in Wyandotte County, which is a pretty big place, 
Uh, Joanne Farr, Republican who ran previously for Kansas governor uh, and had run for an Oklahoma seat at one point, which makes sense if you're, if you know your geography there, that's not crazy. Um, they agree to support limits to three terms in the House and two terms in the Senate. So, Sean, what, what do you think, buying or selling that? I'm going to sell that it's important in this case because um, the lady I looked I looked her up. She did seem nutty. Um, she had she had no like FEC filings or money coming in, and yes. uh, she ran in in Oklahoma. She ran against Senator. James Inhofe as an independent mm. and got like 1% of the vote. And now she's, she's just trying to get something. She's just trying to get some noise. Yeah. Well, I don't know what she, you know, some people run for office and they're just nutty and you don't know what they're trying to do, you know, <laughs> like, but I like that, you know, uh, there's a bipartisan thing happening. Um, but yeah, and then there is the, I always talk about, so the, the Supreme court cases, U S term limits, Inc versus Thornton and it's in the constitution what the qualifications are to be a U.S. Congress mm -hmm. uh, member of Congress or Senator. And the Supreme court has decided that that means that those are the only rules. So term limits can't keep you from getting reelected, but these pledges, you know, again, when it comes to like things that affect people's lives, I think of it like the, you know, like that, it's like, not yeah. important. Rachel, what do you think? I'll, I'll, I'm going to sell it too. Um, I, I remember the last time I saw one of these pledges, it was, I, I think I still lived in Los Angeles. So it had to have been 2016 or sooner. And I remember like the, per, the people that the dark, cause the dark money groups love term limits. Cause it makes it very difficult for us to hold uh, lawmakers accountable because the, ask Missouri voters what term limits are like. Um, we have lots to tell you about not being Race able to, to the bottom pass congressional maps and right. all kinds of normal business and not being able to raise teacher pay and all kinds of other horrible shit because they just, um, they just don't care because all of the legislation they deal with is passed to them via ALEC. Anyway, um, uh, the last time, so anyway, the last time, back to the last time I saw this, the person who was like the spokesperson for term limits was Ted Cruz. And I was like, oh, right. way mm -hmm. to go dark money. Cause you, you took the most odious piece of shit that everybody universally hates. It was like, wouldn't you like to get rid of me? Like it was kind of like, Oh, smart. Um, that's really uh, funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm gonna. It's I'm like gonna... the case, right? It's right. like he's the reason. It's like, well, if he but wouldn't do... be in the Senate anymore. Yeah, I don't. Do imagine have... a system where I, I would love had to... to leave. I didn't have a choice. Yeah, where I you can't see me anymore with my weird fake accent and stuff, and my hair and my beard that hides my double chin. Ted Cruz, I'm your age. I have a double chin because I'm fucking 51 years old, and shit happens. Like it's not the worst double chin you've ever seen in your life. But it's the kind that happens when you just kind of everything starts to head its on go on its eventual journey south. That's what as, happens as to your body. As a man with a chin line because of a beard, I'm not going to begrudge his beard for that purpose. No, but it showed up later. Yes, he it did. grew a beard to be like, I don't want people to know. I want. I need to look better on Fox News, and I don't want to get plastic surgery. Um, that's why he's doing it. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I'm selling, and I agree with Sean. I would love, by the way. It's just something I've been meaning to do, but like life and stuff. I'd love to have a list of states that have already implemented term limits on state lawmakers. I think because we went like, through that like a couple of months ago. We didn't. I didn't like create the list, but I know I had pulled it up because it's it's more than you think. Right. Yeah, I think it and, might be approaching half or yeah. something like yeah, that. Yeah, and so like that is it is it and it it absolutely. I mean, I, I know that Sean has said that good. like. Colorado's got them and somehow like there's, but I feel like Colorado 
now lives at the will of like Boulder, Denver, uh, like, and, um, Fort Collins and like these other like hyper liberal areas that are super blue. And that kind of tends to sort of write the rule book for the, how the state goes instead of like Looney Tunes, places like Colorado Springs that are still like highly conservative and highly religious and highly Christian stuff. Um, and we do not have that in places like Missouri. We don't have that balance. Yeah. And so the, the counterweight, rule book, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Like there's, I, I forget and forgive me. I forget the name and this is totally tangential, but we are talking about term limits. Um, a state lawmaker here in Missouri called the Missouri house, Missouri Republican house caucus team IDK because she (laughs) asked about what was in a bill that was introduced by one of her colleagues. And he was like, I don't know what's in the bill because they don't, they don't know what's in the bill. They don't write the legislation. They don't write it. Right. We know. Right. So like team IDK is like really what we should call like most of them. But like, yeah, you don't want term limits kids. You just got to do the work and elect real people if you don't like them. Well, and that's, it's that's 15 why I, states. Yeah, 15. Okay. okay. And that, that's why I buy it because even if it's. <gasps> you buy it? Yeah, because even if they can't do it, right? Even if they, even if it's not possible to do, um, nobody knows that. And, and people don't want to know that. All they want to know is that they. Here's the line, right? Politicians should be. Are like dirty diapers. They should be changed often, right? That's the line. Oh, that's great messaging. It's yeah. a simple line. It's it's out there for all the world. Lots of people repeat that line, and that's how they think about it. And when and then you say they'll something hold like, up. We have a hold picture. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Go ahead. Sorry. Yes. No. 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 You you you've got the image. A yeah. Big dirty diaper. Well, they'll also hold the pictures of like Maxine Waters and Nancy yes, Pelosi, and they'll exactly. talk about how long they've been in office and how old they are. And yes. Precisely. Like that you know, that kind of stuff. So yes. even though the, even though the people of San Francisco, if they got their shit together, could Nick kick Nancy Pelosi right. out of office. They just don't want to, right. they like her. They're it's all rich. Hell. It's fine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The, the, the yeah. People they've been in there forever. Um, but that's why I buy it because of that particular reason. Um, Cause I, I agree that they're, I think they're stupid. I think that term limits lead to the lowest common denominator because eventually people who are good, look, we, we had a state Senator from where I'm from. He now works at the university in, in my town. He was an incredibly effective state senator. He is, by all accounts, one of the most well-liked people in Missouri politics ever. I mean, he's just a super well-liked guy. He probably had a a real shot at going further, um, you know, but he had to leave because of term limits. He had to leave. He did not have a choice. And the guy who replaced him is the exact opposite of, of him. The people who like him are like him because he's an asshole. Like he's just a dick to people, um, and he does—he's not as effective because of that reason. And right. so, what you wind up with is they have to keep churning. You have to keep churning and churning and churning and churning and churning and churning. Like, imagine if on a professional sports team, like let's say the Chiefs, right? The Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes a quarterback. Imagine if they were only allowed to play him for eight games of the season and then they had to switch to the next guy on the bench and then he only got to play eight games on the season and then they had right. to switch to who the next guy know, on the bench. Who doesn't know who doesn't know that who doesn't know that like the And play, what would literally. happen is there's whatever would happen on the field but then also like what happens in Patrick Mahomes life in the example is he spends a lot of time talking to the person who's going to give him his next job. Yes. And because you have to. Right because he knows because the he's alternative like, well, I only have to focus on these eight. I don't right. have to worry about the rest of the season. And maybe I can go to another place that'll pay me more money to only play eight games. Or maybe I just get out of football altogether because I can only do so much here. Right. I'll only be here for however long. Right. And And now you're on your third string quarterback when shit gets real, right? Let's say they make the playoffs and they got to go to the third string guy now. 
because they got there on the back of the first string guy. And so now you got, I don't know, Chase Daniel hucking the ball downfield instead of Patrick Burn. Mahomes. Um, I mean, I love Chase Daniel. He's got the greatest career that's ever existed. <laughs> the man's played approximately 50 snaps in the NFL and he's made $25 million or whatever. No more than that. But like, that, that that's kind of the point is you wind up right. with somebody that you're like, well, that guy, that's not a starting quarterback. Like, why is this guy, why is he? That's under- exactly, what you see is like the yeah, COVID exactly response right. in a state where no one's been in at the Capitol for more than a few years. Right. It's yeah, a they, shit show. They don't know how it works. They don't and, know how the system works. And, and that's a bad thing, by the way. And I say it all the time. Like when folks come to hire me as their lawyer, when they hear I've got a decade of experience that makes them feel good about hiring me. That's a good thing. When my plumber shows up and he says, I've dealt with septic tanks for 25 years, I think, thank God, because I haven't, right? <laughs> it's such a good thing that you understand how this yeah. works. And it politics, is- much, like the, much like a plumber and a lawyer, is about keeping the shit moving. That's what it right. is about. <laughs> and another, like... Speaking of diapers, um, yeah. A way that you see the effect is, you know, so many of these, especially Republican state legislators in like suburban districts where it would not be a big deal to knock on doors. Right. Nobody's met these guys. No, because they don't. And they're only 30 and they only win with like 10,000 votes or something, depending on the district. And it's like, you don't even talk to the people in your district. And like some of them barely even touch the district. Right. right. And if you think there's no some, reason for them to, yeah. yeah, there was, I read on uh, a, a lawmaker, this is like from their like Twitter account. It's like a real person. And I just don't remember which one it was who said it might've been Sarah Unsicker, but I, it, I don't know. Anyway, um, that said basically that she was trying to introduce something and Missouri had a terrible legislative week. We once again failed to raise teacher pay because of extremists in the Republican party in Missouri T- just shitty. This is the all. Minimum pay are, will remain twenty five thousand dollars a year mm-hmm. for starting teachers, mm-hmm. lowest in the country, I believe. Yep. Um, and that's against the governor, the governor of Missouri, who's a Republican, who's about as he is as conservative as I am progressive. Okay, that's how conservative he is. He was like, "Yay, I get to raise teacher pay, and I don't have to raise taxes. This yeah. is wonderful." And the extremists in the Missouri party were like, "No." And I think Sean, one of the reasons they did is because the teachers would actually make more than them as lawmakers, and they were just like, "No wow. way." So instead right. of saying, "No, let's make teacher pay." $35,000 a year. Cause Parson wanted to bump it up to 38. They were just like, no teachers don't get any more money. We're just going to keep teacher pay $25,000. And there is year. COVID money for this, you know, those trillion dollar going, bills and it's going they can back. be spent on schools. Everyone recognizes that schools had additional it's what, expenses. It's what it's for. So because they're assholes, $2 billion, billion is going back to the federal government and other states will get to improve the infrastructure at their state institutions and Missouri state schools, state universities are some of the worst funded in the country. They've seen severe budget cuts for like the last, like since the Missouri Republicans have been in control. And when you have those kinds of people that don't aren't accountable to like their voters and they don't spend any time with them and they don't door knock, um, you end up with situations where like this lawmaker I was saying said that they tried to introduce something and the, she was trying to, I think it was, she was trying to negotiate with, um, you know, people in the, in the house in the Republican caucus. And they said, there's just no, I just don't have any motivation to help you. Yeah. I mean, like, that's how, like, this is blatant, <sighs> right? It's like, yeah. So, um, so fuck a term limit. All right. I have to say. Well, let's move on to the big one. I'm going to go get some coffee. And now, the big one. All right. 
the big one, Mitt Romney has proposed again, this is not new, but it's back, uh, changing Social Security retirement benefits. And we've talked about the gerontocracy many, many times. Uh, the gerontocracy strikes again in this country. Sean, can you unpack this for us a little bit as we get into this topic? Yeah, totally. So Senator Mitt Romney of Utah, former presidential nominee of the Republican Party and good jillionaire from uh, <laughs> being a corporate raider, which right. is why he wasn't elected president, um, has decided that it is his opinion that we have to do something about Social Security. And I don't know why, you know, why he's so particularly nervous. I think that this, you know, the trust fund, there's basically the way Social Security is funded is that today's workers and businesses pay into a system that cuts checks to today's retirees. And the retirees paid in when they were working. And then when they retire, they take the money of the currently working Americans. Yeah. And it's so that we don't have people, old people, you know, dying in the streets, basically, especially if they've worked their whole life. And especially if they've worked their whole life where they don't have a pension, which Republicans have attacked, and they've worked where they haven't been able to save any money, which is most people. So it is a really important part of what life looks like in America. And, but, you know, I think that really, it's always been thought of as the third rail in politics because older folks vote and they all are on social security. Right. And um, anyway, so the trust fund is falling short. And so Mitt Romney has this idea to have a, uh, a series of committees basically for people to kind of recommend what we should do about social security. And it's called the trust act in, in the U S Senate. And it's about, you know, getting some committees to put together some plans that we can think about and we, I mean, conservative groups have been putting out these plans forever. <laughs> like right. it's raise the retirement age, cut benefits. What they really want, like they're working on behalf of corporations who pay in and do not want to. And we talked about earlier how corporations don't care. They don't have feelings. Like that's why they don't want to pay social security. Most workers are fine with paying in because they know that they'll get it. Companies do not care and they don't want to pay in. And Republicans often work on behalf of corporations. And so that's where it's coming from. And like the act is just, I mean, a load of shit. I don't think Romney is trying to hide the ball any more than, I guess it's probably about as, as much as Romney feels comfortable hiding the ball. Cause he is, you know, they should call it the just trust us act, <laughs> you know, cause right. they're trying to get something out that recommends big changes <laughs> without having any individual legislators fingerprints on it is right. what I think. Yeah. Um, I think that's but, exactly oh, right. Yeah. The way to fix social security, get 12 million undocumented immigrants out of the goddamn shadows and plug them in, baby, do it for real and lift yeah. the cap. There's a cap income over, I think $120,000 yeah. or maybe even less doesn't pay social security. Yeah. Get Jack rid of that. Jack Those up, are the baby. two. All right. Jack that up to 250. It's not even that big of a change. <laughs> it's just yeah. not. You could also of a stop taxing people that are getting social security benefits. Like there's so many things that you could do to um to like you could also Help raise older Americans, right? Yeah, and who, you could who, also who raise need, right. And you could also like if like it's always talking about like we have a, like okay, but by the way, like it's not news to anybody that there's a lot of boomers who are retiring, like Dedoy. And that the shoulder of that sits on millennials who make less money and have less opportunity for home ownership. And so like some other key metrics um, that sort of 
measure generational wealth like millennials are like way at the bottom of the barrel because of mostly because of the 08 financial crisis that people like Mitt Romney helped create all by themselves. I mean, this guy was one of the co-founders of Bain Capital. I love it when he like talks about like how he's like when he was running for president and Sean pointed out, he'd love to say like, well, I'm a job creator. And I was like, you're literally the opposite of that. Like Bain Capital comes in, looks at a company and goes, well, it's losing money. So what can we do to make money before we go in this part over here? Right. Let's take out a huge loan in their name first. Let's let's first, let's capitalize a massive loan. Let's run the stock up and pay ourselves our own stock dividend and do a big stock buyback because like, once we buy the company, the stock will have a, a, a moment of uptick that we can all benefit from. And then we're just going to just eviscerate the place for every single last value we can. We're going to kill whatever be- retirement benefits employees have. I mean, horrible shit. He's the fa- he's one of the fathers of that shit. Right. I and want I to will- add in really fast. Go ahead. I think this is a trial balloon for Paul Ryan reentering the, the scene oh, gonna- for national Ooh. politics. Interesting yeah. that you bring him up because when this he was baby. the, when he was the, vice presidential candidate a lot of people rightly who want his like paul ryan speaking of him his the his favorite thing would be to get rid of what he calls entitlement programs they yes. don't call them entitlement programs like that's his dream that's why he really wanted to get rid of the aca because the aca is an expansion of government it it like injecting itself into the lives of people and making our lives better right. like you it's know, like Medicare all, for all, Medicare for none. Right. We right. want freedom. <laughs> right, exactly. Like the guy who we read don't Atlas pay. shrugged and was right. a child when Ronald yes. Reagan was president. And that's that's all you need to know. Speaking of when uh Paul Ryan, Mitt Romney's vice presidential candidate, was a child, you know his father passed away when he was relatively young. I did not know that. And so he received he, social security death benefits. He sure dead until he was and i think this is what i think okay you want to fix the social security tax fine go after massive companies that have had a boon like and just say like we're going to pass what's called the COVID tax act well that's what's so funny too is like the only reason they need money is like they want to cut taxes more it's just like drop that dream yeah yeah and just stop let things and, yeah and like go after the companies the amazons the apples the whatever that just all made so much money during covid mm-hmm. and just put it in the social security fund bro like but they don't want to do it like it's all it's all theater so that and, and just as a, another quick reminder if anybody wants to be reminded about why i hate george w bush so much um the george w bush administration what like one thing I think that he was behind, I think a lot of the things that, that he got behind were really Cheney's idea. George W. Bush wanted to privatize social security. Yeah. That was one of his, that was one of his dreams. Like that was what he really saw as like his, his, his promise to his base. I mean, he said it at a dinner. Yeah. I mean, he couldn't hot run mic. a baseball team wanted to run social security. Like, a right. Business. So he was, so he made a big deal about saying like, this is what we do for senators. Like, yeah. Senators also get like the minute you serve in the center, you serve in the house, you get, lifetime like right. life insurance and all kinds right. of like, other retirement awesome covered. benefits yeah retirement. yeah why don't we just do it for them it's like because that's not what you're going to do so what he basically wanted to do was turn social security into like a 401k yeah. that you paid into and was it the whim of the markets and after 08 we were all like how yeah. desperate would that have sucked for everybody like that suddenly idea. was broke ass like so, so raising keeps- the, the income cap right i, I want to touch on that really quick what do you guys think uh, i have it pulled up on the screen that you can't see uh, percentage of households as of 2020, because we do, we have some fresh census data, right? Percentage of households that make more than $150,000 a year. 
It's got to be more than right. 150, and it's households. Yeah. I'm going to think a minute, but I'm going to get really close. And let's be clear, like, if they get a paycheck, there is FICA that comes out of their paychecks, mm-hmm. but then they don't have another additional benefit. They don't, they don't have to pay in any further when they right. file their income tax at the end of the year. Right. Unlike extend my broke. Right. How much? Yeah. Unlike, unlike my not at all making a lot of money self, I'm writing a handsome check to the federal government this year for mostly FICA. And I'm not going to bitch about it. Like, is it my favorite thing? No, but like, I don't have FICA taken out of my, my checks because I am an independent contractor and self-employed, which is supposed to be something people give a shit about. And if Mitt Romney was like, it doesn't make sense for the Rachel Parkers of the world to uh, pay into this fund disproportionately to people that make to households that make over a hundred. So continue Adam summer. How many? I'm going to say 25%. Sean, 25%. Rachel, you want to hazard a guess? This is, I mean, we're just guessing. 17%. 17%. Actually, I'm going to change mine. <laughs> Never mind. I won't change it. No, you but don't get to change. You locked it. It's locked. 18.3%. Damn. Nice, Rachel. Rachel. Price is right Thank at you. that shit. Thank you. Hell yeah. Thank you. Yeah, come on down. You're the next contestant. But, uh, yeah, but 18.3% like, that they would affect. So the vast majority of Americans, if you raise the cap to $250,000, it would not change the amount that they are being taxed for most people. Right. The vast 82% majority of, of people would not see a change at all at all but they just except wanna... that your social security because you're right. working now for the good this logic would be more secure <laughs> right the good so you would see that bad part stay the same good part change and i think I, i'm just gonna like again like if we raised the minimum wage to i, I was listening to uh you know i love this you know i pivots my my mm-hmm. my favorite my go-to podcast and they were talking a lot about social security this week and wages not social security but so much wages they're talking about the uh uh labor movement and yeah. uh, the unionization efforts and um scott galloway is not a big fan of unions he thinks they're outdated and what he said kind of i mean i don't know that i agree with that but he said like he thinks that the nation's largest labor union should be the federal government now this is somebody who is an unabashed capitalist by the way i think it probably is ask me does he know about unions anyway Uh, sorry well anyway but (laughs) he said he said the biggest federal labor the biggest union should be the federal government our our minimum wage needs to go up to $15 an hour right now and then be increased to $20 an hour like within the next 3 years and then everybody should have health care and we should have guaranteed universal basic income and we should have guaranteed social security income when you're sick it should be something that's a living wage and i was like okay so scott galloway is a socialist that's awesome i love him that's wonderful and he thinks that all this money should come by taxing the top wealthiest and the the the, the, the wealthiest people in the country and uh, the corporations, which is like, you know, big companies that make kajillions of dollars, like right. Amazon, Apple, Google, Facebook, so on and so forth, who all, again, billions and billions of dollars throughout the pandemic. Um, and like a hundred people, like a hundred people, like we're talking about a hundred people, like all this stuff would be solved instantly. And it, gonna, it is interesting because it's not even straight up like, like a socialism thing. Because it would actually allow for people to be more innovative and more creative if they knew, you know, like like us, for example, right? We're we're doing this podcast thing. We have this small side business that it doesn't it's not like we're making money on this. I mean, there's there's some subscribers and it and it helps us <laughs> right? all, it's yeah. gonna help us with some bottom line stuff and and all that. But Wow, right? What what could you do with if you're a creative person, if you have an idea, right? If you think I I have an idea for something that I think could change whatever in a positive way, but you can't, right? You just can't do it. The, the amount of people that wind up just totally crushed because of a need to work 
60 hours a week at a job or jobs that they don't necessarily enjoy doing, why, right? What are we, are we, are we maximizing, right? If you're a capitalist, are you really maximizing the system by forcing people into but I don't, low paying I, jobs that they think, hate? And the reason I brought up the Galloway thing, and he's not really a socialist, that was just my little joke, but like that, the reason I bring him up is because like, this is somebody who sits on boards of companies that if you saw the name, you'd be like, like, right. you know, a grassroots progressive would like recoil in horror. That's what somebody who absolutely comes from the world of like capitalism is one of, is the greatest system on earth because of the pressure it creates on companies to do better and all this other kind of stuff. And we can argue about that back and forth all day, but I don't think that Mitt Romney is a capitalist. Mitt Romney doesn't know that he's not a capitalist. I'm sure he thinks that he's a capitalist. He's a vulture capitalist. He's a crony capitalist. He's not really a free market guy. He wants to control the markets. He thinks that what's better for the world economy is for a group of white privileged religious uh i don't know that i would say mitt romney is a racist but i'm also not going to say he's the most friendly to black people like he wants to live in a world where a very small group of people get to make all of the decisions because he thinks that's going to be better for the long-term stability of the world economy and the global economy he's a globalist right he's a platoist (laughs) he's a true republican right yeah yeah exactly yeah so Somebody like that is always going to look at like what is going to benefit people who have already who have already accrued a lot of wealth because we want to be able to keep our wealth because when we control all the wealth in the world the world is going to is going to be better for for us because we get to call all the shots. Right. And when you have all of that control amongst people like us then you don't you don't know what we're stopping from happening. Like that's really his mentality I think. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. I think that's that's absolutely fair. Sean, but I feel like, here, or I feel like I I'll just name check a couple of the other kind of policy things. So like the smarty pants thing right now is like worker owned co-ops, right? And like maybe the Republicans will get on that also. And at the CUNY Law School community and economic development clinic that I was in, I didn't participate on this project, but the the folks in my clinic and the clinic directors helped a restaurant in New York become a worker owned co-op. Like the dishwashers the servers, the chefs, the cooks, they, the, the hosts and hostesses, like they all owned the restaurant and they decided that they're going to try to have retirement, you know, as part of what they're doing. And so I think that's why people think of it as kind of an alternative to unions, not so much for social security, but, um, you know, kind of the, the, uh, the high V model for folks in the heartland. Right. Yeah. But it's like, it's not, you can't force the company to sell to the dishwashers. So it's right. like, it's not really a big scale reform. Um, there are statutory things that need to happen to make it easier and there should be more money and stuff behind it. So I just wanted to make sure I didn't seem like we didn't know about worker on co-ops because it is really smart and it's really cool. It is really smart. There's yeah. also, there, I'll, I'll say this and I'll kind of close out here that um, if you're, if you're interested in reading kind of about sort of like trends in business and stuff, and I've talked to a couple folks in the last like couple, well, last like month about this so much so that I feel like it's actually a thing that neoliberalism was sort of one of the pillars of it is the idea that you don't integrate vertically, right? So that the idea is that you focus on your core competency. So, uh, so for example, I don't know, we don't have a good example with, with like the Heartland Media. I'll say uh, with our little company, but I'll say like, um, so basically like if you were Ford, you would just make, uh, you, you bought all of your parts from a third, from third party vendors. So the right. car was assembled in the Ford plant but all of the parts were made offshore 
in plants where they could pay people like, you know, basically slave wages. And that's where like the, you know, the, the wire, the uh, conduit came from or whatever, like all that stuff came from um, third parties. And because of COVID and because of global instability and because of China, all these things and really, really China, I mean, China, definitely China that we're going to see a trend back towards vertical integration, meaning that onshoring of the stuff. Yeah. You're going to own your entire supply chain. So you're not going to, because it's cheaper. That's it. It's, it's, it's better value. The amount of money, for example, and it cuts that down Amazon, on disruptions, right? The, the well, Ford, and it's more example, of, has a has a, a field of trucks that need one computer chip, right? They cannot move those trucks because they need right. one computer now, chip that they don't and, make. And now Apple and uh, Tesla and these companies that actually make their own chips are like, "How you like me now? Right. Yeah, we make that. We're fine." You want your iPhone? So reti- um, about retirement. What's that? About retirement. What about You're, it? So, okay. So <laughs> when you vertically inter- integrate companies, you hire your own workers, right? You hire your own workers. And if we're going to see this trend, you're going to see more conversations about the reason that we did this is because when we pay people sustainable wages and we treat them with dignity and we give them access to the pot, right? You're talking about co-ops. When you give them access to the amount of money that we make in the form of like profit sharing and all these other kinds of things that are a feature of what worker environments look like during that golden period after the labor movement and before Reagan, people worked harder, right? They had a stake in the company. That's what created a lot of like America's the best company on the best country on earth stuff is because they had access to the pot. So if you make people wealthier while they're working, they will become like more invested in the future of an economy. If you're Mitt Romney and you disincentivize that interest in the economy by way of cutting all the programs that helps them keep stable, you demonize the programs that, you know what I'm saying? So like, of course that's what he's going to fucking say again for the millionth time. Um, And this is why Rachel still hates Mitt Romney and Liz Cheney and all these like so-called like normal Republicans because they've been trying to do this my whole life. Sean, Last word, I just want to we'll close it down. I'll fact check myself. So the largest labor union in the United States is the teachers union with about 3 million members. AFSCME is number three, the American Federation of State, County, and Met, uh, Municipal Employees. And then the Teamsters are just a little bit smaller than that. SEIU is a little bit bigger than AFSCME. Um, but if you want to know why the Republicans want to destroy public schools and unions in general and teachers, it's there because the teachers union is the largest labor union in the, in the United States. Well, that'll do it for Talking Politics this week. Thank you both for joining me as usual. And uh, yeah, have a great week, everybody. Thank you. Take care. The Heartland Pod is a production of Midmap Media, LLC. Follow us on Twitter with at the Heartland Pod. With email, you can reach us, heartlandpod2020 at gmail.com, online with heartlandpod.com, subscribe, and please sign up for our Patreon with patreon.com slash heartlandpod. Become a podhead or an official podgressive today and unlock all of our content. See you at the next show.